continuing in our wisdom series in Proverbs. Tonight we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4, talking about fathers and their example to their sons in particular. And tonight I'm going to, like Chris said, primarily be talking to fathers and sons, but these obviously apply to daughters as well. Um, but since it's Father's Day, I do want to emphasize, and I see the Proverbs does emphasize fathers and sons in particular. The first seven chapters of Proverbs starts out with my son, my son, my son, first seven chapters. So obviously that was a very important issue with, with Solomon who wrote these, these Proverbs. But, um, but like I said, they apply obviously to, to daughters as well. And before I do that, I do want to read something, a couple things real quick. Just bear with me real quick. I want to read a couple things before I actually get, in, get into the message, which I thought were really important. And this one talks about fathers and the influence they have on their sons. And it's from Focus Family. And it says, one of the most important aspects of a dad's contribution to the lives of his kids, actually in what Dr. David uh, Papone, Papone, professor of sociology at Rutgers University and co-director of the National Marriage Project, calls his significantly different parenting style. Men and women are different, and as a result, mothers and fathers parent their children differently. It should be obvious that as a man, you are in a position to exert a specifically masculine influence upon your son. Fathers are more than just, quote-unquote, second adults in the home. Involved fathers, especially biological fathers, bring positive benefits to the children that no other person is as likely to bring. They provide protection and economic support and male role models. They have a parenting style that is significantly different from that of a mother, and that difference is important in a healthy child development. It's been observed that dads love their children, quote-unquote, more dangerously because they play rougher, they foster competition, they engender independence and are more likely to encourage risk-taking. All of this is particularly important for boys. Fathers also provide kids with a broader diversity of social experience and introduce them to a wider variety of methods of dealing with life. By stressing rules, justice, fairness, and duty and discipline, they teach their sons the objectivity and consequences of right and wrong. They give them insight into the world of men, they prepare them for the challenges of life, and demonstrate by example the meaning of respect between the sexes. By loving their wives as Christ loved the church, they show their boys how a proper man treats a proper woman and help them to grasp the importance of appropriate boundaries in male-female relationships. As a dad, you are also uniquely positioned to shape your son's faith by teaching him from the scriptures and through the consistent modeling of virtues such as tenacity, integrity, faithfulness, and perseverance. This may be much simpler than you think. When you make promises, keep them. Stay true to your word. If you keep on keeping on when life tries to knock you down, if you look persistently to the Lord to be your strength in the midst of personal weakness, you will earn the authority to tell your boy that hard work is its own reward and that giving up is unacceptable. By learning his special love language and demonstrating what it means to be compassionate towards people of all ages, conditions, races, and walks of life, you can cement a lifelong bond with your child and help him grasp the difference between a genuinely Christ-like man and the so-called macho man of high school locker rooms and popular culture. This last point, the importance of love and compassion, is absolutely critical to effective Christian fathering. Many men don't seem to understand how desperately their sons need their love, their affection, their approval, and their verbal affirmation. Let me read that again. 
men don't seem to understand how desperately their sons need their love, their affection, their approval, and their verbal affirmation. Boys even need a certain amount of appropriate physical touch from their dads. There is a tendency among some fathers to downplay the importance of emotion, tenderness, and understanding in their interactions with their sons. We suggest, however, that this approach can be dangerous and potentially damaging. Just as destructive is the impulse to live vicariously through the younger generation to assume and even require that a, boy, that a boy share all of his father's interests and grow up to be just like dad. Resist that temptation with every ounce of determination you've got. You can communicate genuine love for your son and validate his personhood if you set him free to follow his natural bent and develop his own unique God-given talents. If he's a born musician, don't force him to play football. On the other hand, if he'd rather turn a wrench than crack a book, don't expect him to become a Rhodes Scholar. A coming-of-age ceremony in the style of Jewish bar mitzvah or certain other ancient rites of patches can have a powerful impact on a boy's heart and mind. If it seems appropriate, we can encourage you to help your son plan such a ceremony, possibly when he's 13 or 14 years of age. Build into its elements that will, that will symbolize everything he's come to believe about the purpose of his own life and the meaning of godly manhood. So I hope you caught a lot of what was said in there. Um, let him be who God created him to be. Um, I thought one of the most important things he said was about not trying to make him just like you. Um, if he's a musician, a dancer, even whatever, cultivate that. Don't make him become a football player or a basketball player. That's not appropriate. One other thing. Um, I'm going to read some statistics here. According to the National Fatherhood Initiative in the U.S. Census Bureau, out of 24 million children in America, one out of every three live in a biological father-absent home. Many of the social ills facing America today can be traced back to children growing up without a father. Fatherless children are 100 to 200 percent more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. A child who comes from a fatherless home is 68 percent more likely to use drugs or alcohol, more likely to become sexually active at an early age, and three times more likely to commit a violent crime. 63% of teenagers who attempt suicide live in fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth sitting in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. Fatherless sons are 300% more likely to become incarcerated in state juvenile institutions. And I think our prisons prove that. Fatherless daughters who marry have a 92% higher divorce rate. And fatherless sons are 35% more likely to experience marital failure. Fatherless daughters are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers and 111% more likely to have children as teenagers and are 164% more likely have, to have an out-of-wedlock birth. Let us not forget the fatherless children in our churches. Churches are filled with single-family mothers who need the church's support. And it goes on to talk about how um, we can help um, fatherless mothers in the home. But those statistics are staggering. But... If you are not the father, the kind of father that I just read about, these statistics are the result of what can happen um, when the father is not present in the home as God intended him to be. One last thing, and this is, talks about the importance of the father determines the gender of the child. 
because sperm con containing X chrom chromosomes and sperm containing Y chromosomes are nearly equal in, in number, and because the chances of either type of sperm to fertilize an egg are roughly equal, each naturally occurring conception leads to an equal chance of having a boy or a girl. Mothers can provide only an X chromosome, so they do not have the, influence, the same influence um, over gender. The father's chromosome determines the gender of the child. Now, that's not because he's more important or better or anything like that. It just means sovereignty decided that that would be the case. So even before we are in this physical earth, we are influencing our children by determining whether they become male or female. That's important. Our society downplays the importance of fathers. But we're going to see how important fathers are um, to God and to society. Proverbs chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention. For I am giving you good and abandon my teaching. When I was a son, the tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of grace on your head and she will give you a crown of beauty. So Solomon says, listen, my sons, plural, to a father's discipline. Listen to a father's discipline. His instruction, his warning is what that's talking about. Fathers are to instruct and to warn their sons and daughters. The, the home is to be the primary area of learning for a child. He's supposed to start right in the home. Schools, churches, all of that is secondary to the home. The father is the one to be the primary teacher even in the home. So he says, sons, listen to a father's discipline. Pay attention to my learning. My understanding. Pay attention so that you may gain understanding or insight. Understanding means insight. Okay? So a father is telling him, son, listen to me. And he repeats himself over and over and over again. Verse 2. For I am giving you good instruction. Notice the confidence that the father has in the instruction that he's given. He said, I'm giving you Good instruction. Pay attention to what I'm saying. This is, going to, this is going to help you, son, in the future. And the reason he can be so confident is because his instruction is from God. And we're talking about uh, Solomon here, who was the wisest man who ever lived. So he's saying, son, listen to my instruction. Don't forsake it. Don't abandon my teaching. Um, Ephesians 6.4 talks about, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6.4. Fathers ought to do that. He said, I'm giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. Verse 3. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother. So what is he doing? First of all, he's identifying with his son. He said, first of all, I was a son at one point. He said, when I was a son with my father. And who, who, was, who was Solomon's father? David, Israel's greatest king. He said, when I was a son with my father, he's, he's, he's identifying with his son. He's letting his son know, listen, um, I was just like you at one point. So I think that's important that a son can identify with his father. He's saying to you, son, I used to be just like you. 
tender and precious. He was very vulnerable. Young boys are very vulnerable. And he said, I was once vulnerable and precious just like you are. And he said, and my father taught me. And see, when they're that age, whatever that young tender age is, is they're teachable. See, you need to start teaching this early. You can't wait till a boy is 13 or 14 years old and say, okay, come here, son, let me try to teach you. No, 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 that's too late. You need to start from the womb. You start early and teach them um, as they are growing up. And so he's saying, son, listen, I used to be just like you, and my father taught me. He gave me good instruction, and I want to do the same for you. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, and said, this is what my father said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. So that's what my father told me. He said, my father said, your heart must hold on to my words. So there's a couple things here in this verse. First of all, he says, the father is the one who passes down wisdom and instruction. He said, my father taught me. Not that his mother didn't teach him, but he's emphasizing the importance of the father. He said, when I was young, just like you, he, David, my father, taught me and said. So, the father passes down instruction. It has been said that Christian parenting, the goal of Christian parenting is not Christian kids, but Christian grandkids. The goal of Christian parenting is not Christian kids, but Christian grandkids. See, I ought to be thinking beyond my son to my grandson, my great-grandson. It's not just about junior. It's about junior's kids. So, he's talking about uh, uh, the importance of, of passing it down. Proverbs chapter 29. Let's go there real quick. A rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a youth left to himself is a disgrace to his mother. Did you hear that? A rod of correction, however you discipline your son, that's what he's talking about. A rod of correction, however you choose to discipline your son, imparts wisdom. Do you understand that when you discipline your child, that's imparting wisdom to them, even if it's physical discipline, however you choose to do that, whether it's a, a you know, whatever you use. And there's a lot of funny stories we can tell about the stuff our parents use to discipline us physically. <laughs> but whatever it is, it imparts wisdom. There's a scripture that says, if you don't discipline your son, you hate him, it says in Proverbs. It's like, wow, that's powerful. If you don't discipline, you hate them. See, our society tells us that we shouldn't spank, we shouldn't discipline ourselves. God said, and another scripture says, <laughs> when you do beat him, he will not die. <laughs> And scripture says, listen, he ain't going to die. So even though he's screaming, you're killing me, you're killing me. No, you're not. <laughs> God said, he ain't going to die. <laughs> a rod of correction imparts wisdom. But a youth left to himself, we're talking about a son, himself, is a disgrace to his mother. A boy who is not taught instruction by his father will become a disgrace to his mother. And we see that in our culture today. The fatherless homes that are running, running rampant in our communities cause the sons to go out and do stuff that disgrace their mother, whether it's gangbanging, using drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, he becomes a disgrace to his mother. Why? Because the father was not there to give wise instruction. And that is our job as fathers to give wise instructions to keep them from certain things, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. The second thing we see in that verse, back to, back to 
wisdom is multi-generational. He said, when I was a son with my father, tender and precious, he taught me. So it wasn't just my father, I'm the next generation, but my father, wisdom is multi-generational, like I said. You don't just stop with your son. It ought to perpetuate. Wisdom should be multi-generational. Like I said, don't just think about your son. Think about your grandsons and their sons and on and on and on. The next thing, wisdom, he shows the wisdom of his father. He said, when I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said. So, in order for him to say that, David be a wise man. His father was wise. And so he was able, so he's saying, he's saying, son, we have a family history of wisdom. So now you may be saying to yourself, I don't have that in my family. I've never, my father didn't pass this down, but you know what? It can start with you. It can start with you. They had a family history of wisdom. You may be saying, I don't, but you know what? The buck stops here. With my son, I'm going to start a legacy of family wisdom by passing it on to you, son, and then to your grandson, and so on and so on. Don't be discouraged if you didn't get it. Don't be discouraged. Say, you know what? Okay, God, it's going to start with me. This family wisdom thing is going to start right here in 2018 with me and my son. I'm going to start passing on some wisdom and instruction. Family history. He says, we have a family history of wisdom. Then he says, your heart must hold on to my words. He said, wisdom is a heart issue. Son, don't just get this in your head and it doesn't transfer here. This is a heart thing. If this doesn't get into your heart, it'll never work. He said, your heart must hold on to my words. Because if it's not in your heart, it ain't going to mean nothing. The Bible talks, Proverbs in particular, talks a lot about the heart. Um, uh, it's, out of the heart flows the issues of life, the Bible says. Um, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For where your treasure head is, there will your heart be also. The essence of who you are is your heart. So, son, this good instruction that I'm giving you that is from God, it must start in your heart. Hold on to your heart must hold on to my words. It's a heart issue. Next thing we see is wisdom is instruction and it gives life. Keep my commands and live. Wisdom will save your life, son. Wisdom will save your life. Keep my commands and live. Chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 1, starting at verse 10. My son... If sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. My son, if sinners, folks who don't know God, entice you, don't be persuaded. Don't you let that influence you. Because I'm giving you good instruction. But listen, there are going to come some folk in your life who are going to try to entice you. He said, if they do, don't be persuaded by what they say. See, a lot of times, parents have the authority, but the culture has the influence. Parents have the authority. Culture has the influence, the persuasion, and that's scary and dangerous. Parents have the, in, have the authority. Hip-hop culture got the influence. 
Rappers got the influence. Netflix got the persuasion. Parents, you may have the authority to say this, but who's influencing your child, your son, your daughter more than you? See, he's saying, don't be persuaded, son, if sinners are you. You're supposed to have the authority and the influence. Now, listen, I know kids are curious. They're going to be, things are going to happen. They're going to be persuaded by the wrong things a lot of times. But if you are their dad, consistently giving good instruction, the culture may try to influence them, and they may to some degree, but he's going to come back at some point to your good instruction. There's a scene in the, boys, in, in, the, in the movie Boys in the Hood where I think it's Cuba Gooding's character is in his car with some friends, and they're on the way to do some dirt. I forget what exactly they're trying to do. I think they're trying to pay back a boy for killing their friend or whatever, and they're all on the way to kill him. And he's sitting in the back seat. Now, his father has already spoken to him about influence. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne has already spoken to him about that type of thing. But he's in the back seat, and they're on the way to kill this dude. And you can see him, he's thinking in the, in the back seat in his mind. He's hearing his father's voice. He's hearing his father's voice, and they start driving, and he says, stop the car, I want to get out. I don't know if you remember, if you saw the movie, remember the scene, but he says, stop the car and I get out. And they try to persuade. My point is, his father's influence was in his head in that back seat. He said, I can't do this. This is not right. My father's already spoken to me about this. The culture was trying to have the persuasion, but his father's persuasion was in his head. Fathers, put your sons and daughters' persuasion in their head. So when things like that come up, listen, my flesh wants to do this, but I keep hearing my father's voice. I keep hearing what my father said to me. If they say, come with us, let's send an ambush and kill someone. Listen, come with us and go take this dude out. Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. We ain't got anything. We're bored. We ain't got anything else to do. Let's go. Let's go. Just for fun. We ain't got anything else to do. It's boring. I'm bored. Let's just go rob somebody just because we ain't got nothing better to do. If they say that, let's swallow them alive like Sheol, still healthy as they go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable, valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. We're going to take what don't belong to us and put it in our house. Come on, Junior, go with us. Come on. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Verse 14, throw in your lot with us, and we'll all share our money. Come on, Junior, come with us. I know what your father said. Listen, your father, he's, he's old. Stop listening to your dad. Come on, dude, come on with us. Fill your lot with us. Listen, we're going to share the plunder. You're going to get some of this. If you listen to us, you're going to get some of this. Throw in your lot with us, and we'll all share our money. My son, don't travel that road with them. Because their feet run towards trouble, and they hurry to commit murder. Listen, see? Why don't you travel that road with them? Because their feet run towards trouble. You're going to get in trouble following them fools. And they hurry to commit murder. See the path you're headed towards? It is foolish to spread a net where any bird can see it. Don't you know what you're walking into, dummy? 
Don't be, don't be stupid, son. Listen to your father's good instruction. Remember what I told you? This is good. It's going to save your life. It is foolish to spread a net where any bird can see it. But they set an ambush to kill themselves. They set it up to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. Listen to that. This is the path of everybody who tries to make profit dishonestly. Okay, I don't have a job. I'm just going to take what I want. Dishonest gain. The Bible talks a lot about dishonest gain in Proverbs. This is the kind of path that will lead to people who try to get rich dishonestly or try to gain wealth dishonestly. Nothing wrong with wealth, but when you try to profit dishonestly, this is the path that it leads to. It takes the lives of those who receive it. It's going to kill you, boy. You're going to die fooling with them. I told you, see, my instruction will cause you to live. See, wisdom will save your life, son. But following, being persuaded by the culture, it's going to kill you. Don't wait till it's too late to find out. All you have to do is look at the culture. Look at people who, who, who do sell drugs, who do, who do uh, 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 commit murder and join gangs. Just look at their lives. Where did they end up? The jail is full of them. Why would you think that you're going to escape? What makes you think that you ain't going to end up the same place they did? It's foolish to think. See, we talk about experience is the best teacher. Somebody else's experience is even a better teacher. See, I can just watch your life and say, okay, I don't need to do that. All right, back to Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 5 says, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget to turn away from the words of my mouth. The word wisdom is hakma, H-O-K-M-A-H, and it talks about the knowledge and ability to make the right choices at the right time. That's what wisdom is. The knowledge and ability to make the right choices at the right time. That's what you want to pass on to your son, the knowledge and ability to make choices at the right time. And the father encourages the pursuit of wisdom. Look at what he says. He says, son, get wisdom. He, he encourages the pursuit of it. You want to chase something? You chase that. Chase wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1. First of all, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So David, Solomon was a king, so he's ruling by wisdom. So wisdom is royal. Can you imagine if our president ruled the country by, by wisdom? Not just our current president, any president ever ruled by wisdom. How different our country would look if our leaders ruled by wisdom. So wisdom is, first of all, royal. Secondly, it gives correction and understanding. For learning what wisdom and discipline are, for understanding insight and sayings. It's knowing what's going on and able to be corrected, rebuked, and even receive punishment. See, wisdom, um, you're able, when, you, when you're a wise son, you're able to be corrected. You don't know it all. You don't act like you do. So you know what's going on, and you're able to be corrected, to rebuke, and even receive punishment. So I know I was wrong there's going to be consequences to this. Okay, I, I need to submit to the punishment or the consequences of my choice, which was not wise at the moment. So wisdom says, okay, all right, um, consequence of my, of my bad choice. According to verse 2, for learning what wisdom and discipline are and for understanding insightful sayings. Thirdly, 
It's knowing good and evil, verse 3, for receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Wisdom, first of all, wisdom is not an IQ. Okay, it's not an IQ. Wisdom, just you can tell the difference between right and wrong. You don't have to have a, a high IQ to do that. So it's not an IQ. So um, you know the difference between good and evil. That's part of being wise. This is good. This is evil. Therefore, I choose the good. In Deuteronomy 30, God says to the children of Israel, I've set before you life and death, good and evil. Choose life. He said, I've set before you life and death, good and evil. And then God is good. He gives you a multiple choice answer and then gives you the answer. He said, I've set before you life and death, good and evil. By the way, the right answer is life. Choose life. And when you're wise, you know the difference between good and evil. Wisdom is all discernment. Four, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, the young, junior. Teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. See, a young man, you don't wait till he gets grown. You teach it to him while they're young. See, it's discernment, the ability to read a situation and make right, the right decision or the right judgment. That's part of wisdom. To be able to read a situation, make the right decision or the right... You look at this and say, hmm, I need to do this. Looking at the situation, discerning all of this, the, the whole situation, wisdom is supposed to kick in and say, okay, all right, I prayed about this. God has given me wisdom on this. This is what I need to do. See, that's what wisdom will do for you. It doesn't mean you, you do it right away, but over a period of time, through prayer, study of Scripture, discernment will kick in, wisdom will kick in and say, okay, you know what? This is, I need to make this right decision. This is the right judgment here. Wisdom also is obtaining guidance, verse 5. A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. A and will listen and increase his learning. When you are wise, you are continually learning. You never arrive. As a, as a, and, I, and I think Chris would agree with me on this. We are sometimes teachers, but always students. We are sometimes teachers, but we are always students. We sometimes get to, get to teach. But we never stop learning. We are ever, whenever we go to con conferences, we're students. Whenever we're reading books, we're students. Whenever we're listening to sermons, we're students. We are always students. You never arrive. Wisdom is not a goal. It's, it's a lifelong pursuit. Please remember that. Wisdom is not a goal where you arrive. You, you pursue this all of your lives. And that's what I tell my son. You tell your son... You are always learning, son. Don't ever get to the place where pride kicks in and says, I've arrived. I know it all. But you are forever learning as a student, as a son. And, I, and like I said, this is for daughters as well. Um, all of this applies to daughters as well, too. And listen, fathers, when it comes to daughters, <clears throat> you become your daughter's first date. You, be, you buy her first dress. 
you take her out for the first time to show her how a man is supposed to treat her, to know what to expect when somebody takes her out. So you do that. You give the example as the father. So when some knucklehead comes and tries to slap her around and calls her out of her name or whatever, she can say, wait a minute, hold up. My father gave me an example of what a father is and gave me a list of how you're supposed to treat me and slapping me around and calling me out of my name ain't on the list. So therefore, you're disqualified. Deuces. You tell that joker goodbye real quick because that ain't what my father showed me and that ain't what he told me. So she has a standard to judge this dude by. You know, does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? You know, so you do that and say, listen, baby, daughter, this is what you expect from a man. This is how he's supposed to treat you. This is what he should be doing. If he's trying to gain your heart, there's some things you look for. And if you got questions, come to me. Come to your dad and ask. All right. Verse 6, back to uh, Proverbs 4. Wisdom is a protection. Don't abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Wisdom is a protection. Love her. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It says, but fools despise the wisdom and instruction. When you despise your father's wisdom and instruction, you become a fool. But it says a wise son. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And he says, don't abandon my wisdom. He keeps repeating himself. Don't abandon this, son. Don't abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Wisdom will help you to avoid things that lead to an early death. Wisdom will help you to avoid things that lead to an early death. And we see, you can't tell me that these young Black boys out here being killed at 18, 19, and 20, shot down the streets. You can't tell me that it was their time to go. You cannot tell me that it was their time to go. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, there's two things that will lead to an early death. Living wickedly and living like a fool. And it says, why should you die before your time? So you can live foolishly and cause an early death, or you can just living in sin and living wickedly will cause an early death. So wisdom can extend your life and, and, and allow you to avoid things that will lead to an early death. Wisdom is a protection. Don't abandon it, and she will watch over you, love her, and she will guard you. Verse 7, wisdom is supreme. He says, wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Supreme means it's primary, it's foremost. And in the Hebrew sense, it means you purchase it, you buy this. Son, go buy some wisdom. Before you buy that new car, that new house, you make sure you get some wisdom to learn how to lead that house. So therefore, wisdom is supreme. Purchase it, you get that above everything else. Wisdom is supreme, get wisdom, and whatever else you get, get understanding. Get some insight, son. Whatever else you get. All that other stuff is good, but make, for, make sure you get this first. A six-figure income is good, but make sure you get some wisdom so that you know how to handle money. Verse 8, cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. Cherish 
and she will exalt you. Solomon was honored for his pursuit of wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter 3, when Solomon, when God asked Solomon, what, do, what, what, what can I give you? Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom. He didn't ask for, for riches and honor or the heads of his enemy. He said, give me wisdom so that I can know how to lead your people. And as a result of that, we are teaching from a book that was written by Solomon. Wisdom has exalted him and is honoring him. Cherish wisdom and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. We're honoring Solomon today by preaching from a book that he wrote however many years ago because wisdom will exalt you, will honor you. Verse 9, she will place a garland of grace on your head and she will give you a crown of beauty. These are symbols, garland and crown are symbols of God's grace and favor being visible in your life by other people. Other people will see how wise you are if you are a wise person. They will just tell by your conversation, by the decisions you make. They can say, that's a wise woman right there. That's a wise dude. I don't know him, but I can tell he knows what he's talking about. And it will cause other people to, 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 to realize and recognize the grace and favor that is on your life given by God. It may even cause them to compliment you. Even if they don't like you, they can't help it because it's so visible. And that's how we are to live. Let me speak a moment to those of us who are spiritual fathers. Second Timothy chapter 2. One, 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 one thing before, before I go there. Solomon also encourages son to listen to his mother. And Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 says, son, don't abandon my teachings. And then he says, and don't forsake the wisdom of your mother. So see, a good father also realizes that, okay, son, I'm giving you good instruction, but so is your mama. Listen to the instruction of your mother as well. Mothers and fathers work together in, 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 in uh, giving wisdom to their sons and daughters. So Solomon not only uh, talked about himself, he talked about, listen, but your mother, you listen to the instruction of your mother as well too, son. That's important. You teach him to respect his mother and listen to what his mother teaches him. So the spiritual fathers, Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he's encouraging him to be strong in his faith, all right? Be strong in the grace and in his faith that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit will be able to teach others also. So he says, first of all, Timothy, what you've heard from me as your spiritual father, he said, in the presence of many witnesses, you commit to faithful men. So what I'm teaching you, you teach to others, Timothy. So those of us who are spiritual fathers, um, we do the same thing to our spiritual sons. What you have heard, if he doesn't have a man, a father in his life, listen, son, I know you don't have a dad, but listen, let me help you out here. The things I'm teaching you, you see me as, a, as an example, I want you to grow up and do the same thing. See, discipleship ought to be repetitive, repetitious, and that's what he's talking about here. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witness, witnesses, commit to faithful men 
who then will be able to teach others also. Then the ones that you teach will, will continue the pattern. So as spiritual fathers, we teach our spiritual sons, and then we teach our spiritual sons to teach their spiritual sons, and then their spiritual sons, and so on, and so on, and so on. So in everything that I said about natural fathers, this applies to spiritual fathers as well. You teach them the same thing I just said in Proverbs chapter 4. Same thing. This applies to us as well. Those of us who are spiritual fathers, same thing. Same thing. So spiritual fatherhood, um, Chris and Megan just adopted a son. He's not his biological father, but he's his legal father. He's his spiritual father. So all of this applies to Chris. That's his dad. That's who's going to grow up. To, that is his father. That is, that is Israel's father. So just because um, he's not his physical seed doesn't change anything. He's his father. Whether you're a, a, a biological father, an adoptive father, or a spiritual father, it all applies. It still applies to you, the same thing. Amen? Amen. All right. All of this was great stuff. But you know what's really good about this? Jesus is God's wisdom. Jesus is God's wisdom. He fulfills the, the whole book of, not just the chapter we read, but the whole book of Proverbs finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm almost done. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God, who became God-given wisdom for us. You see that? Jesus became given wisdom for us, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. In order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. So Jesus Christ became God-given wisdom for us. He is the wisdom that I just talked about. He is that wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Not only our wisdom, He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. And he's our redemption, the gospel. That's who he is. So, fathers, when you drop the ball in giving good instruction to your son, Jesus is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. And listen, fathers, we're sons too, and we haven't been the perfect son. And you tell that to your, tell that to your son. I disobeyed my father. Don't make your son think that you've been perfect all your life. You've been the perfect son. Don't lead, don't lead him to believe that. Say, listen, son, I messed up many times with my father. That doesn't give you a license to do it, but I'm just saying, I can understand. I understand the temptation. I was tempted like you. I was tempted with women. I was tempted with the drugs. I was tempted with, I was tempted with all of that, son. And I disobeyed a lot of times with my father, the instruction my father gave me. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to follow my, put my, my, my footsteps in that. You can be an obedient son. Because we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, son. I'm flawed, just like you and the rest of the world. I'm not perfect. But I'm trying to be a good father to you, son. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good father. 
So he became our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. So you know why we must boast in the Lord? Because I haven't been a good son. So I cannot boast about how good of a son or even a father I've been. My boast, and if I have been a good father and I pray that I have, it's only because the grace of God that's been on my life, son, because God has been gracious to me. That's why I've been able to be a good father to some degree, because of the grace of God in my life, because I'm not perfect, because Jesus has been my wisdom, son. That's why I'm able to pass it on to you, because he's the pattern of wisdom that I follow. Tell that to your boys. Colossians chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of Christ's mystery, who is Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our wisdom. All the treasures. I love this verse. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It says they're hidden in Him. Why are they hidden? Because you, we are to seek them out. We are to seek them out on our face in prayer, studying Scripture, seeking, seeking out the hidden treasures of wisdom that are in Christ Jesus. So, when I seek out those hidden treasures of wisdom, I can learn how to be a wise father and impart this good instruction to my son and my daughter. But it's all because Jesus Christ is my wisdom and become my wisdom. So as we get ready to celebrate communion, fathers, you are precious. You are vitally important. You are needed. God looks to you to be an example to your son. But because the scripture in Hebrews that says, um, talks about bringing many sons to glory. And in chapter 2 it says, the sanctifier, meaning Jesus Christ, and those who are sanctified, meaning us, have the same father. Wow. The sanctifier, Jesus Christ, and those of us who are sanctified, us, have one father. Wow. I love that. I got the same father as Jesus Christ. That's my dad. He's my Abba, Father. That's why Romans says we cry out, Abba, Father. Because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary, I can now say, Father. And Jesus said, pray, our Father who art in heaven. I can call him Father now because of the sacrifice of Calvary. And we're celebrating that as we celebrate communion. The brothers can come. And as we celebrate this communion, we're going to do a song. And it's simply called Our Father. And we've never done a song before. So it's going to be a song of meditation. The words are going to be on the screen. Listen to the words of this song. It's just simply called Our Father. It talks about God being our Father. So we're celebrating Jesus Christ and communion and what he did for us. And because of that, we can say, Father, I ha even, you can even say to your father, Father, I haven't been a perfect father, but you have been. Jesus has been the perfect son 
in my place. And Father, you are Father. Even if you've never had an earthly father, Father, God, I've never even had a father. My father left when I was an infant. He died when I was an infant. I've never had a father. But God, I need you to be everything that my father, my physical father, was not. My physical father was abusive, God. You are not. My physical father was not a good provider, God. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So even though I didn't have a physical father to, 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 to pattern, to look at, Father, I'm looking to you now because of what Jesus Christ did as my heavenly father.